Hello everyone, welcome back to AV Art Club. Today it is Friday, September 30th, the last day of September. And today I am joined, as always, with my partner in everything, Lauren Piemont. So sorry that we haven't had a podcast for you all in a while. Things have been rather busy in our personal lives and our business lives, which is all very, very good. So um, one thing we've learned is to not make promises that you cannot keep. So <laughs> we yeah. will make podcasts as we can make them. Um, yeah, I I realized that we made this big declaration of, oh, we're going to have weekly podcasts. And then September hit and it was just full of all kinds of like crazy setbacks, some health challenges, some um, just kind of bad strange news uh, everything's okay but you know just things kept coming up and um i saw a quote somewhere recently that said you know when you're ready to change just change don't announce it so i like that if we ever get to weekly podcasts i'm not gonna say anything about it but you'll know <laughs> i think that's a a great mantra and a great thing to live for in life. Okay, so um, I guess, do you want to do any brief um, catch-ups on anything? Yeah, I think we should, um, because you have completed some major projects since we last recorded, and I don't know what I've been doing, but I'll think of something. Uh, you've been doing plenty of things. You've been doing some tarot card-related things, working at... Gerald Melberg Gallery preparing for uh, their current exhibition, their next exhibition, and the art fairs in Miami uh, during Miami Art Week. So I know that you're super busy, and part of that discussion might pop into today's discussion. Yeah, yeah, the gallery has kept me super busy. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned it last time we, we recorded, but... I wrote a catalog essay for their mm. upcoming November exhibition, um, Paintings by Tula Telfair. So if you're unfamiliar with Tula Telfair, check her out. She has a really active Instagram, and she shows with Forum Gallery. Uh, Gerald Melberg has a great relationship with Forum Gallery, so we often share artists and um this is one of those times, so that's been exciting. It's a beautiful essay. You did a wonderful job. Well, I thank you. You really inspired me um, in the direction I was going to take it, so I appreciate that. Uh, some of our late-night chats led to sort of the thesis of the essay, which I love. And, yeah, I love when galleries make printed catalogs. It's super rare <laughs> these days and mm. when we were making this catalog we realized that the cost of paper had literally doubled since the last catalog that was printed um, which is only about a year ago so it makes it even more challenging but when a gallery just steps up and does some printed matter that that makes my heart happy yeah I agree it's it's a uh, little side tangent, but you mentioned the relationship that Gerald Melberg Gallery has with Forum Gallery, and that reminded me of a story that might be very 
uh, relevant to today's topic. But uh, I'll share that story a little later. So just maybe remind me as we're doing our discussion in case I don't go into it again. Okay. Yeah. But what have you been up to? Oh, well, I've been working on... Um, Let's see. I'd finished the paintings for the the book. I think I mentioned that in one of our previous um, episodes. Those were delivered. The the client is super happy, and he is working with uh, someone that is uh, kind of a book slash packaging manufacturer that actually is in North Carolina. Hopefully, they'll work something out. It seems like everyone is on board with the uh, project. I guess it just comes down to cost at this point. But uh, it was pretty exciting when he showed me some of their products um, that they've made in a product catalog um, because I recognized some of the items. And I was like, oh, my God, I hope I hope you go with this company because I, I, I have some of these, these you know, uh, these boxes of 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 old games and things like that 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 it would just be kind of cool to me um i finished some other paintings for someone else and i've been working on uh paintings for art miami which will be here very very soon so i'm really trying to work hard on that otherwise we had a i have an exhibition i'll have one painting and a group exhibition that is in the row art gallery at the University of North Carolina, Charlotte, that was co-curated and organized by Mocha London and Adam Justice at UNCC and also Andrew Levantis. So uh, uh, everyone involved, Adam and Andrew, Matt Steele, Thank you all for all your your efforts in doing that. It's a beautiful show. The exhibition, uh, what's it titled again, Lauren? Your your uh, nature mort. Okay, it's French for still life. Yeah, yeah. You have a a wonderful way of pronouncing French terms. Well, I just said that in the most American way possible, <laughs> but sorry, everyone. Yes. Um. So that that I guess is our catch up, right? Yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, like I said, September was kind of weird, but there were some really cool things in it, mostly <laughs> related to Chris. So congratulations to him for uh, finishing some major things and uh, being in a really cool little show. Yeah, it's a pretty cool show. I'm delighted to be a part of it. Um, okay, so shall we dive in? Yeah, we're going to get back on our Art Galleries 101 series and um why don't you tell us about today's topic okay so what we've been trying to do is kind of talk about as an artist approaching a gallery whether they were commercial or nonprofit, uh and 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 kind of how to get to that point get your work into a gallery so we've been treating this somewhat in a chronological way um, based on the previous episode, I think that where we should talk about now is the actual portfolio. Um, and that will include the photography of your art, you know, your images, and um, like a checklist and a variety of other things like that that kind of go into this. When I was in art school, and many of you that also may be listening, you probably... I, I don't know. Maybe you were never really set up to 
reach out to a gallery properly. It was almost like you're getting your degree and then you finish and you leave and, and what's supposed to happen next? Is the gallery just supposed to knock on your studio door and give you a show? You know, that's not how this works. So I was never, where I had gone to school, we were never really informed about what a gallery would want to see, what they're looking for and also what they're not looking for. Um, just this important information that we've picked up along the way. Now, I, I will step back for a second and say I did take this one class at Winthrop in one of my final semesters where it kind of was, um, um, uh, it was like a senior class where you're, you're leaving and here's some helpful information, but it really wasn't that helpful. But one thing we had to do was write a cover letter like you were going to be approaching or reaching out to a gallery and this goes into that story I was mentioning a minute ago about Forum Gallery and Gerald is um, I was very enamored with Forum Gallery when I was in college they showed Odner Drum, uh, Stephen Assail, uh, St Stephen Brown, several artists that I just was enamored with so I had made my little mock letter to Forum Gallery introducing myself. It's kind of a silly project if you think about it. The teacher then looks at it for grammatical errors or says something, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's it's it really wasn't that helpful. But anyway, it just gives you an idea of how I felt about this gallery. And, uh, you know, years later, I'm working very closely with them through Gerald and become great friends with them. And, uh, and they're great people. They have a wonderful program. Anyway, I have more to say, but you say something now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, I'm kind of excited to get into this topic from the other side. Um, since I work at a gallery, I'm kind of on the receiving end of uh, artist inquiries. So, you know, we get all kinds of inquiries. And uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I've never seen a good one and I've never seen Gerald take on an artist through an inquiry but I don't want you to lose hope that's just Gerald and I think we can give you some tips and I think also Chris should share some of his stories about how he came to show at different galleries um, just to help shed light on this really really opaque topic <laughs> yeah. Okay. That this is all going to be really good. This this might be a long discussion. We might have to break this down into two parts, which I think is is good because there's some information here to help everyone. So, first of all, um, I guess before jumping into like commercial gallery and being represented by a commercial gallery, let's say you're trying to get the attention of a gallery, there are a lot of uh, juried exhibitions which you could enter that are in your area, um, you know, maybe a, a local arts council, or you might uh, notice online that there are some juried exhibitions that are, um, um, that you could apply for that are you know, maybe even in another state. We'll have to get into shipping, but that's another, another uh, episode in the future. But anyway, I found when I was in, school and in college, like trying to get my name out there, get myself out there. One of the best things to do 
was to enter these juried exhibitions um, because there's potential prize money and other awards, but you're getting your work in front of other people, a whole other audience, and it's a great way to get started. Now, these things, what they have in common is images, is photographs. Like, you have to have photographs of your work to submit to a juried exhibition or a commercial gallery. Now, the better your photos are, the, the more likely you're going to have someone look at your work. Now, I've seen in the past someone, I've seen people have, like, mediocre art, paintings or whatever, but they take really good photos of the work, and it represents the work very well, and it gets the attention of a juror or a gallerist. Uh, but I've seen the other thing happen where someone is an amazing artist, but they take terrible photographs of their work, and it doesn't represent it well, and they get looked over. So I'm going to try to give you some helpful information on how to capture work in a digital format best way possible. Yes, um, definitely, obviously, because we're talking about visual arts, any discussion starts with an image. Um, so yeah, definitely photography is totally important. And, you know, just going back to what I was saying about never having seen a good artist submission. Um, I'm sorry if that offends you. Uh, <laughs> truth hurts sometimes. The, yeah, truth hurts. However, I have seen Gerald take on new artists. And um, there always comes a point where we need to look at images um of a particular series or whatever and um chris used to work <laughs> at the gallery and he took photos of everything that came into our inventory so we, we would have beautiful high-res photos and now chris is not there so we rely a lot more heavily on the artist to provide decent enough photos that we can not only use to distribute to clients but put on our website etc so no matter what you're trying to do good photos are step one absolutely so um in a previous episode i guess it was catch up to adulthood i told you about how when i was in college i had one of my previous teachers uh show me how to take slides of artwork and that was so helpful and it was like a real life skill that I learned that I've been able to build upon and use you know still to this day I was able to use it at my job with Gerald Melberg and then I had private clients that hired me to photograph their work also but anyway the there's a couple things I want you to, to know about photography and your artwork is whatever you're making, you need to document it. Um, uh, just make sure you have it documented and keep that. Even if it's something that you decide that you don't care about or you don't like, just get an image of it. Digital photography is so cheap and easy right now. Just get an image of it and organize it, say, on your computer in a folder by year or, or, or subject matter, medium, something like that, and just keep it. Uh, because, so the reason I'm saying this is when I was in college, 
digital photography was not even really a thing at that point. If it were, it was really bad. So we all had taken slides. I still have all of my slides of artwork that I made in college. And granted, I'm not using those to approach galleries. However, there have been times where I've had to give a presentation or a lecture somewhere, and, it, and it's been great to be able to go back to those images, scan the slides, and reference them in uh, a talk or something like that. I'm really thankful that I, that I held on to all of those, and I did that work back in the day. So that's why I encourage you now to document things and and keep a record of it so you say okay I made that in year 2012 or whatever and this is the size and dimension of it because it's all super important yeah a good records help everyone um they obviously help you and then if you do get to the point of showing with a gallery they really help the gallery so yeah so when I started working with Gerald, we were still doing, actually we were, we were doing both slides and digital photography until digital photography just became so much better. Um, and also because the gallery moved from one location to the next and we had these binders, these three ring binders and binders and binders. I'm very familiar with these binders. <laughs> yeah. Full of 35 millimeter slides. And Gerald was like, what is all of this? And we're like, oh, they're the slides. And he says, we don't use this, do we? So no. And he says, all right, from this day forward, we're not shooting any more slides. So, <laughs> but, yes, Lauren? <laughs> I just want to say that while slides are no longer relevant, I'm glad that we still have the binders because it might not have a job <laughs> if you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to say is like, even though they... Obviously, there were many binders. They were very heavy and bulky, and we decided no more photography using to, to make slides. We're still keeping all of them because it's all so important. As you've seen at your job at the gallery, I'm sure that there's been like a random work of art that sold a decade or two ago, and you have no image, and you're able to go back through the binders, and you're like, hey, I found one. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I've ever really spelled this out, but... Uh, most of what I do at the gallery is archiving. So I'm really digitizing a lot of their records and a lot of that um, is surrounding images and missing images from the database, like going all the way back to 1984. And you might say, well, who cares about what happened in 1984? Well, these clients... Um, often want like insurance appraisals and stuff and you know we have to go through their whole collection and uh, do that and having an image is like super important and helpful and you know there are a lot of reasons too um, besides insurance appraisals but I just want to say that yes it does come up and we do need these images so that's what I do um, among many other things but that's like my constant background project is scanning slides <laughs> perfect so um all right so we're going to photograph your artwork now and obviously you're not going to be shooting slides you're going to shoot digital now many of you may not have a really nice digital camera you may have only the camera that is on your phone which is fine phone cameras are 
awesome today. They're really good. But if you have the ability to use a nice digital camera, such as a, um, uh, like a, uh, wait a minute, what, what's the word I'm looking for? It used to be a SLR, a DSLR. Yeah, digital single lens reflex camera. So that's like the reflective camera. I'm sorry. It's like the kind with, that has a lens on the front that you can interchange. One thing that's great about those is you could switch out the lenses based on your, your needs. Uh, if you are using a DSLR, use a, get a lens that's what's called a prime lens. And they're actually cheaper than the other ones because there's fewer move, moving parts for one thing. And uh, these don't like zoom in and out. You essentially, it's a fixed focal length. So you have to move to your camera and it's tripod towards your artwork or back away from your artwork. And also get a tripod like I just mentioned. Uh, your The DSLR option versus say your iPhone is going to be better because you're going to be able to have much more manual control, which is something that is very helpful. Your iPhone is going to take great pictures, but it's also going to add some compression and do some other things that maybe you don't you're not wanting to have happen. You want control. So I'm going to cover both options, but let's just stick on DSLR first. Okay, so have your camera on your tripod. And one big reason is because you want it to be steady. You don't want to bump the shutter release button and it and it shake the camera and create any blur or anything. And the other reason is because you want to shoot the, the your photograph uh, at a very slow ISO, uh, the slowest that your camera can do, which most cameras will be ISO 100, I believe. And the reason of that is it's going to take a, a, a slower picture. And if it's on a tripod, then the camera is still. Your artwork should also be still and not moving unless it's a kinetic piece or something. I'm not sure. But anyway, the this extended picture, the slower picture is going to get much more information in the digital file. You'll also want to shoot in RAW format versus JPEG or something like that, that's gonna like compress the picture and do some other things. If it's in raw, it's a completely uncompressed image. And then on the computer and software like Photoshop or Lightroom, you'll be able to manipulate it in so many more wonderful ways. Okay, um, let me think. That might, oh, one other thing. And this goes for kind of both options, but this will be helpful in, um, the computer software is you want to be able to correct for your uh, color calibration. You want to be able to get the color as best as you can. Now I use a tool that is made by, um, oh snap, what, what's, it'll come to me. Anyway, it's a color card and um, it's called the X-Rite Passport Color Checker. And I forget the company that makes it. It'll come to me. But anyway, it's like a little grid and it has all these different colors and it has a grayscale on it. And this gr this gray card I'm telling you about, um, made by X-Rite, it has um, software with it where you can take a photo, a raw photo, and then save that as a DNG file, a digital negative file, and then open it in the software and it'll help calibrate it. And then you, you can kind of manipulate it more in Photoshop from there. I can tell you more about that once we go a little further. I'm just giving you a rough overview. 
if you don't have something like this, that's totally fine. I know that some of this stuff costs money and you just, you're not ready for that. Maybe you're in college and you're just trying to get some good photos so you can submit your artwork to this juried show. Well, what I've found is like one of the easiest things you can do is get a piece of bright white copy paper, like typing paper, printer paper, bright white stuff, and put it with your artwork in front of it or whatever. Take a picture of it with it. Take a picture of it without it. And, uh, and save those. Whenever you open Photoshop or some other manipulation um, um, photo editing software, you can tell the, the software that that is white and it will then help balance the colors and everything else in your photo based on the white now that you've been able to pinpoint. Okay, that's a lot. You want to say something? <laughs> um, well, this is really your area of expertise so (laughs) yeah well um and i can nerd out and go deep deep into this because i've done a lot of research and helped with catalogs and things before so i've I've picked up a lot of knowledge about it yeah and one thing i do want to say is um it sounds very complicated and you need a good teacher but i am rather um technologically challenged and just not very <laughs> technologically adventurous. And when I was working at the gallery before, uh, Chris taught me how to photograph art um, with his whole process. And it, it was totally doable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it, This is just like an experience thing. Just once you kind of go through the ropes a few times, you're like, oh, I got this. Um, but some of these basic little tricks of the trade I picked up is going to be super helpful. Okay, so we've covered DSLR, um, the idea of maybe getting um, uh, a prime lens. If you don't, that's fine. You could use your stock lens that's with your camera. But as you can upgrade things, you get a little more money. That's when you kind of, you're like, all right, I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to invest in a better camera. I'm going to invest in a prime lens with a fixed focal length. I'm going to invest in that color card. But until you can get there just use what you have and that's why I suggest like grab some bright white typing paper and then you in your photo editing software you can tell it this is white and that'll help balance it I'll go into Photoshop and stuff like that a little bit later but let's just cover more about the physical photography like how to photograph your work Okay, so we've discussed again with the DSLR, shooting with the lowest ISO possible, which may be 100, and also um, photographing it with, um, uh, what's the word I was looking for, Uh, in RAW format. Okay, so that way you have much more that you you can kind of edit with. Okay, now before I get into iPhone, this also applies to any other cell phone camera, is you may or may not want to invest in some lights also. Now, if you do, you could probably get a set off Amazon pretty cheap, like get two either what they call soft boxes that are on tripods, or you can get two um, LED um, like panel lamps. And these things... You know, you might get two for like a hundred bucks, you know, not, not too terrible, but again, you know, it might take you a while to save up for that. So you can just, 
there's another option I'll tell you about. But uh, just to give you a little idea about the soft boxes, they're typically like a fabric box that has a piece of white mesh over the front that helps diffuse light. And if you have one, if you have two of them, you can put one on the left, one on your right of your picture at about a 45 degree angle. Sometimes it has to be more severe depending on the surface of your artwork. You might have some reflective things that you just have to uh, correct for, but you typically want them to be matching each other in terms of where they are uh, with your artwork. Now the soft boxes are great because they diffuse the light wonderfully, but the LED panel lights are also good because they're so portable. Uh, they have the option of diffusing also if you put something in front of them and then they also have a way to adjust the intensity typically on the back, maybe even the color range on the back. Um, but again, if you can't afford your uh, a good set of lamps or you're just you know waiting to invest in it one thing you can do is photograph your artwork outside in a shadow it sounds kind of weird but this is how we used to do it in college at one point um when you didn't have photo lamps you could take your painting for example go outside uh, on the side of a building like on a if it's a sunny day and you're you just go in the shadow side of the building and photograph your artwork there because it's going to have a really even consistent lighting um, and you could try that until you're able to invest in proper lamps okay all right I guess I'll just jump into iPhone stuff and then um, you can tell us a little bit about what galleries are looking for okay so again if you're photographing with your iPhone or camera phone whatever you're using a lot of that still applies. If you can get a tripod clip for your phone, that would be great. So that way you're not kind of shaking it. You can kind of square it up better and it'll look really nice. Uh, and a lot of phones today can actually photograph in raw format. So if you can do that, definitely do that. Um, and I would try that, the option I mentioned with the white card and just turn off auto white balance on your on your phone uh, so that way you can manipulate a little bit more manually okay so that's that well thank you um chris is really a art photography guru so um if you have like specific questions about what he said or whatever please uh send a dm to our instagram or uh shoot us an email at our email um it's kind of hard to talk about this stuff in a podcast, but mm -hmm. he really is a font of knowledge. So ask away. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I guess just to kind of wrap everything up, um, good images go really far. So when you're submitting, I mean, if you do want to go the route of submitting a portfolio to a gallery, um, kind of like a cold call sort of thing yeah you're gonna want to have good images and I don't know I would just say when you do that if that's what you choose to do I really wouldn't um do like a you know sort of like a we transfer file downloady kind of thing if I were you um galleries don't really want to download from links especially <laughs> at least not the gallery I work at. Um, I would 
attach like nice JPEGs that you've made out of your raw files or something. Just when you're sending people things, you want to make it as easy for them uh, to see it as you can. Yeah, definitely. I know back in the day when I worked with Gerald and uh, when I was approaching galleries too, you often wanted to include a self-addressed stamped envelope. Like if you were sending a package of a portfolio of slides or, or printouts of your work and catalog things, you, you wanted to include an envelope that was already self-addressed and stamped. So that way the um, gallery director could look at the work and uh, say, no, thank you even, and put it back on the envelope and seal it and stick it out front with the mail. And it, and it was pretty convenient for everyone. But I think what Lauren said is, is so dead on, like no one wants to download something today. Whenever you have so many other ways to share your artwork. Um, no, and it's kind of sketchy because yeah. no one even knows you. So yeah, that's, yeah. don't make people download things and, don't direct people to your Instagram either. That's extremely unprofessional. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Instagram is a wonderful tool for promoting yourself, but yeah, that's not a professional way to... No, it's not a resume. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, briefly, I guess I should jump into just photo editing real quick, but it, but I'm not going to go uh, as deep into it as I did with photography because... Uh, we're getting a little long, and uh, and if you all have some questions, I'm happy to, to jump into that in another episode. But let's say you want to edit your photos. Now, there's a lot of software out there that's either free to use or rather relatively cheap. Like, obviously, everyone knows Photoshop, which has been around for a very long time, and I love it, but it does cost a good bit of money. Now you can kind of pay for this subscription model, and it's not as much um, up front, but I think that it's typically like a year that you're signing up for, and you're paying month to month over that year. Um, if you have an Apple computer, you can do a a good bit of this stuff in your uh, the photos app which is free and included on your on your um, your Apple product but in the app store the Mac app store you can download a few other things like one was called one is called Pixelmator and another is called uh, Affinity Photo Editor I think or Affinity Pro Photo which aren't that uh, expensive and they are truly Photoshop uh, competitors um, without having that subscription model. But, all right, so remember I mentioned the idea of having your photograph with, say, the bright white paper with it. You have two photos, one with, one without. What I do and what I would suggest is you open your image in Photoshop, Pixelmator, Affinity Pro, one of these these pieces of software that you use and you can look for a, a tool that's often in these programs called levels or curves and then you can use this tool under levels and curves you'll see you typically have three eyedroppers one's a black one's a gray and then one's a white and if you're just using the white paper trick I told you about you can click the white eyedropper click the white paper and then go and you'll probably see something on your screen that you can click 
save that as a profile, then open the photo without the white paper. Go to the same thing you've used, whether it's levels or curves, and click on the thing where you kind of save the profile, but you'll see something that says load profile, and then load that profile, and it now will balance it based on that white balance from the first photo. Now, there's other ways to do this to kind of make it a little little better, a little more accurate, but that's like a really simple and effective trick that I want you all to know about. Um, let me think. Is there any other things I want to tell you about in Photoshop? Oh, crop to your image. Like, don't, like, put your painting against the wall outside or whatever, like I told you to do, and then take your picture and send that to the gallery. Like, really square it up and, and crop it. So that way there's nothing extra that the gallery has to see in your image where they're like, is, what is that? Is that part of the work of art? Now crop it to the image. And sometimes you, you will photograph your artwork and it might get a little out of square, a little trapezoidal. And often in these softwares, you have ways to, to bend and stretch the picture back to being straight. Again, I could dive into this stuff in another episode if anyone's interested, but there are tools to, to fix these things. What I just want you to know is just crop it, make it look as clean as possible. If you see like some bright reflections or something kind of weird, you can use your tools to kind of kind of correct those things. And then save your, your artwork on your computer as uh, an image that is a uh, resolution of 300 or better. 300 is like perfect. Uh, I don't see any need in going any higher, but you certainly can. And that resolution quite often is either a DPI, you'll see, or PPI. And that's dots per, dots per inch or pixels per inch is what that means. And um, 300 is like uh, kind of an industry standard for printing. Um, and then save it large enough from there if you, if you want to adjust it. But definitely just save a very high resolution image at that on your computer somewhere and I would recommend you saving it as a TIFF file at that point because it's going to be uncompressed and um, it, and it'll have all of your your color information that you've already done then that'll be your archive like save a smaller version that you can send to galleries as a JPEG like Lauren had mentioned because it's going to be smaller and you're going to be able to share that with people in a in a much more friendly way on the recipient's end. Yes, absolutely. And just one thing um, that I thought of is if you make objects, um, get a backdrop. Oh, and yeah, you can like idea. make a backdrop out of a bed sheet, like, mm -hmm, but make yeah. it consistent looking. Don't have it on a table or I don't know. Yeah, that's a great idea. You know, you want it to look like there's nothing else around. Yeah, isolate the object. Great um, idea. Yeah. So. Okay. So I guess we're getting ready to wrap this one up. Yeah, we can wrap that. I mean, there's so much more about portfolios and um, submitting to galleries. But like we said, everything starts with a good image, no matter what you're gonna do 
you're going to need that. So, yeah. Well, there's one last thing I'm going to say, and I'm probably going to beat you all over the head over the next few episodes about this. But when you are going to be, you're building your portfolio, you're making a checklist, artwork is height by width. Yes. So please remember that when I was in college and I was coming out, you know, I'm so used to like things being eight by 10 and I'm thinking, oh, you know, this is a a piece of photo paper and it's eight by 10. So that means um, eight inches is, is the width. So it's width by height. No, in the art world, it is height by width. So please just go ahead and, and remember that. You don't have to think about it again. If you're a sculptor, height by width by depth. Yeah. I, I'm i going to have to like look back in some books or something because I can't remember. I have an art history degree and I I think we, you know, we'd have to like ID stuff and memorize dimensions. Isn't that a crazy practice? But I think it was height by width in school too. But yeah, if you're not like dealing with art, you probably wouldn't think of it that way because it's backwards. But it's just a little thing that kind of shows galleries um, that you're you're in the know. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so you save your artwork. Just save it as something that's easy enough to remember. Also in Photoshop, like their title. So when you send a checklist and the gallery gets your checklist, they can look and say, oh, that title... That, that work of art there is easy to reference. It's it's this piece. Okay, but that's all for today, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll continue to unpack the whole portfolio gallery approaching um, process because it's multifaceted and there's different ways you can do it. So hopefully this has been helpful and gives you a really good place to start. Absolutely. Okay, everyone... Um, Lauren, where can people find you? You can find me at Lauren Piemont on Instagram. You can also find both of us at AV Art Club on Instagram. And you can email us at avartclubpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, please. If you all have any questions, comments, or would like us to kind of do a deep dive or cover anything else, just shoot us an email. We're, we're delighted to... Um, to help you all become much more successful artists. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you can find me on Instagram at Chris Clamp Art and website chrisclampart.com. Thank you all, everyone. Looking forward to the next episode. Talk soon.